Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Thank you all for joining us for another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Uh, clearly, the big national political story this week is the impeachment, the second impeachment of Donald Trump. Um, we uh, watched it yesterday as it began uh, in the Senate chambers. Uh, the uh, uh, Democrats, the trial managers, opened with a 13-plus-minute video juxtaposing Trump's comments at the rally that preceded the insurrection, the riot, with uh, graphic scenes of the uh, demonstrators breaking in, beating Capitol Hill police. Uh, And and according to uh, journalists who were at the Senate yesterday, were in the Senate watching, uh, it brought a hush over the entire chamber, Republicans and Democrats as well. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, that when it came down to it, uh, the vote, whether or not it was constitutional to move forward with a trial of a former president of the United States, pretty much came down to partisan lines. 56 uh, people voted for the continuation of the trial, 44 against it. Only six Republicans joined in saying, yes, the trial was constitutional. Uh, So we're going to talk about impeachment a little bit later in the show. But it struck us that maybe the best way to start today is to take a look at what's going on in the state and in local news here in Metro Atlanta. And with that in mind, I want to start with a story that is of particular interest to uh, one of our panelists. Uh, So let me introduce everybody and then we'll move forward. Jim Galloway is with us. Uh, Very happy to have you with us, Jim, um, as you Continue your retirement, which is still a hard thing for me to say. I still find it hard to imagine you are retired, Galloway. Yeah, you know, it's harder than you think. Uh, there's, I mean, you, you have to learn how to get up in the morning again, uh, how to go to bed at a decent hour. It's, it's, this is rough. It's rough. It's rough, let me tell you. Well, I'm glad you've got Political Rewind uh, on your calendar to keep waking you up at a reasonable hour on the days that you join us. We're also joined today by Sam Olins, the former Attorney General of the state of Georgia and now a partner with Denton's, the world's largest law firm. Sam, how are you? Doing great, Bill. Thanks, Thanks for having me today. Sure, glad you're here. And we're joined by uh, the DeKalb County CEO, Michael Thurman, who is in the news today because of a program that he unveiled yesterday. And by coincidence, you, uh, Michael, were uh, scheduled to do the show, and we're so glad to have you here. You announced yesterday that you're going to take make use of a $21 million federal grant to give relief to renters who have fallen behind in their rent uh, because of the pandemic, right? Uh, Absolutely, Bill. And to be just frank, I think yesterday may have been DeKalb's finest hour during the course of this pandemic because we were able to build a coalition of uh, agencies, uh, both nonprofit and public, Uh, the DeKalb Magistrates Court, 
the marshal's office, the clerk of court's office, Goodwill of North Georgia, and, and others, Atlanta Legal Aid, to help tenants who are being faced with eviction. We have 8,000 pending dispossessory cases in DeKalb County. About 1,700 writs of possessions have already been signed, and consequently, we face the humanitarian crisis of seeing thousands of families thrown out in the winter in the middle of a pandemic. So we'll be helping tenants, but also helping landlords, because many of our landlords have not received rent now in seven, eight, sometimes nine months. Let, let me make sure that our listeners uh, heard what you just said. There are some 8,000 cases in the DeKalb County courts right now which could move toward renters being evicted, depending on how the uh, cases are decided, and 1,700 of those cases uh, are already filed, and uh, evictions uh, uh, could move forward, except that there is a moratorium established by CDC preventing those uh, evictions from happening. Have I got that right? That's absolutely right. Through March 31st, the uh, moratorium, as it's currently written, uh, uh, terminates or ends on March 31st of this year. So, Jim Galloway, the reason that this issue is much, much larger than just DeKalb County is that last fall, CDC issued a moratorium on evictions nationwide. Uh, there were some interesting questions posed, uh, legal questions, as to whether uh, a pu the public health agency, uh, in fact, could in, uh, legally issue such a moratorium. Uh, but CDC said it had to happen uh, because it was a public health threat to have people losing their places of residence in the middle of a pandemic, Jim. And this has been a fairly controversial issue across the country and across the state of Georgia, Jim. Right, right. And and, and it, it, it has uh, been observed sporadically. We've had one federal judge in DeKalb County uphold, uphold it, uh, uh, Judge Boulay. And then, uh, but we've also had some some judges across the state that have refused to recognize uh, the authority of the CDC to, to issue this this kind of thing. I think what's important here, I think, uh, Bill, is is that Georgia Georgia is a very landlord friendly state, uh, and 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 to me, that's what's that that's what really makes this grant significant. That it's that it's that that renters don't have a whole lot of recourse if if a if a landlord really wants to push eviction and that's uh, to me that's why that's why this this coalition that that that, that, that michael has, has put together is 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 i find very interesting i think if i'm not mistaken fulton county will have something similar go into effect on march 1st with a with a somewhat smaller grant yeah, Fulton County has an $18 million grant to uh, help renters as well. But Sam Olins, uh, last October, the um, a, a Landlords Association went into U.S. District Court in, uh, in, a, in, a, in DeKalb County, and they argued that, that the CDC had exceeded its authority in uh, issuing this moratorium. But Judge J.P. Booley, uh, who was a Donald Trump appointee, uh, issued an order saying that CDC uh, can, in fact, uh, 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 uphold this moratorium again because of the pandemic. Uh, he said it's within the agency's regulatory authority. 
Uh, but, but Sam, clearly there are interesting legal issues involved in that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the law doesn't regularly take into account pandemics when they occur once a century, thankfully. Um, you'd like to think that the CDA has, that the CDC has such authority. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if one of these issues shows up on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court. But you, you, you favor the, the tenants at this point. Mike? Well, and one of the things you mentioned, Bill, and I want to emphasize the fact that dispossessing families in the middle of a pandemic is a public health threat. Obviously, people who do not have adequate housing and are forced into shelters or cars or other um, uh, uh, circumstances are most susceptible to becoming infected by the virus. So we're trying to help families, but actually we're trying to protect our entire community to mitigate the spread of COVID-19, especially now that the uh, uh, U.K. variant uh, has now, according to Dr. Toomey and the governor, is spreading uh, rapidly across the state of Georgia. Uh, that's been a major new development. There's been some reporting on it, but that variant is much more contagious uh, than, than the previous one of COVID-19, which is why we have to be extremely careful and try to do everything we can to mitigate the spread and protect our general population from those who might be exposed. Mike, you told uh, AJC reporter Tyler Estep yesterday, who reported on this $21 million grant, that it was really kind of unclear to you right now just uh, how some of these, some of the people who could be affected could, could get uh, some relief based on this grant, maybe outstanding in rent for as long as a year, others just a matter of months. And, and so it's still unclear exactly uh, how people, how many people will, in fact, benefit from this. Uh, so help us understand that a little. Well, the grant will cover uh, a, a rearages uh, no earlier than March 1st, 2020. So we can go back to unpaid rent to March 1st, 2020, uh, to current uh, status, as well as possibly three months in advance. So we don't want to just pay back rent. We also want to create a runway and hopefully working with Goodwill, who has a great reappointment uh, resource within the Goodwill of North Georgia. We also will work to try to help people get back to work so that they can pay uh, their rent going forward. What One of the realities of this pandemic is a health crisis, but it's an economic one. And like the uh, infections from COVID-19, the economic impact has been disparate, too, uh, primarily impacting people who earn on the lower end of the income scale. Uh, many white-collar, college-educated workers, quite frankly, have continued to do well because they can work remotely at home, like myself. Uh, but there are others who can't work remotely, and consequently, they've lost their jobs working in restaurants and other public-facing uh, uh, employment opportunities. Consequently, they've been devastated and haven't been able to get back to work. And 180,000, according to the AJC yesterday, still waiting to have their cases uh, addressed by the Georgia Department of Labor. Uh, it's a Mike, very difficult situation. Michael, it, it, uh, what kind of cooperation uh, and involve, or involvement are, are you getting from, from, from the landlord end, from the, from the, 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 the rental property owners? Well, that, thanks, Jim. That's a great question. Uh, that's really, this is 
the unknown right now. Uh, we will compile a list of some of the major uh, landlords who have a large number of units in the cab, and we will engage them uh, in mediation. And hopefully it'll be a win-win situation. We'll ask, and there will be an expectation that that will be a negotiated settlement. Uh, we won't be able to pay 100% of what's owed because we just, it's 21 million sounds like a lot of money, but the New York Times reported over the weekend that there's $52 billion in, in late rent payments in America today. Not sure how much of that is in the cab in Georgia, but $21 million will not address all the past due rent that's owed to landlords. So we'll work together, and we'll also pay uh, past due utility bills, uh, gas, lights, water, sanitation, not cable TV bills, though. <laughs> Won't pay those. But that's also an issue with utilities, rent, and more importantly, working with Goodwill and, and the technical college and getting people back to work. That's one of the real challenges that I'm concerned about, Bill, is the Labor Department is overwhelmed with processing unemployment claims. That There's not a, a much attention being paid to getting people back to work. And so that may, in fact, slow uh, the economic recovery and the return to work for tens of thousands of Amer uh, Georgians mm -hmm. uh, in the coming months. You know, Sam, I, I think you put your finger on an important point in all this, and that is throughout this pandemic, we are seeing moments in which um, the, the law is bending to try to accommodate concerns about how the coronavirus has has devastated so many communities across the country. Um, but it is a reasonable question to ask whether that spirit of trying to help people is sort of a trans is transactional in nature and in the long run may be something we'll look back on and say uh, we, we, we needed to be more careful about what we allowed and didn't allow in terms of the legalities of what we're doing. Does that make sense, that question? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And candidly, there were similar um, attempted as well as filed challenges with Governor Kemp's uh, original executive orders. Uh, did he have the jurisdiction to go there? And, you know, my perspective, similar to what everyone's saying about DeKalb County's initiative is, Look, if you're going to err, let, let's err on the side of public safety and, and, and general welfare of, of the community. So I'd rather be proven five years later wrong legally but save lives now. Uh, so whether you're a lawyer or an elected official, um, you know, you want to look out for the citizens in your community. And, and I think that uh, there, there's really been on, on some uh, political fringes uh, an effort to be far more theoretical than actually caring about your fellow neighbor. And, and that needs to be primary here. Uh, let's keep in mind, though, that just as everyone really cares about their neighbors and cares about folks not being thrown on the streets, um, God knows how many trillions of dollars there are in unpaid um, leases for commercial in office and industrial space. Uh, while I agree that the primary impetus needs to be people and residents, uh, that this issue is, is far greater than that. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to address what you're doing in DeKalb, uh, Michael, because it is a part of a, a much, much larger uh, issue that's confronting people across the country. Uh, Michael Thurman, as long as um, we're talking about DeKalb County, I'd like to talk about another uh, uh, story that's going to have a big impact, I think, on your community. Earlier this week, we did a show on where the coronavirus stands in terms of the state of Georgia, uh, the infection rate, vaccinations here, who's getting vaccinated, who's not. And one of the issues that we focused on in, in a very laser-like way was the disparity, the inequity in vaccine distribution. Yesterday, the Biden administration, Mike Thurman, announced that it was going to send uh, some million-plus doses of vaccine immediately to health clinics in underserved communities across the country uh, and, of course, they're doing that because black and Hispanic people have been disproportionately impacted by the coronavirus, higher dates, rates of death, uh, and vaccine, vaccinated at much lower rates. And just to give you a statistic on that, CDC released a report just last week showing that of the 52 percent of people vaccinated, and I start with that to say they only have data on 52% of the vaccines, and other demographic data on 52% of the people who've been vaccinated. And it shows that of those 52%, 60% were white, 11.5% were Hispanic, 6% were Asian, just over 5% that uh, were black. Uh, Michael Thurman, that just, that's a, those are stark figures in terms of the vaccine and who's getting it and who's not. Those are extremely disturbing uh, data points. But I will say this, Bill, elections do matter. And just the decision to direct vaccine to, to neighborhoods and communities that have been disproportionately impacted is much, much appreciated. So one of the issues, and, and Mr. Olin, the former chair of Cobb County Commission, can attest to this, this is the issue. All right, what is fair? But in trying to address the pandemic, Obviously, if you want to prevent the spread, you will direct vaccines into neighborhoods where it's, it's uh, more prolific. And that protects not just that community, but the broader communities as well. Uh, I'm happy to see it. Now, one is access or availability. The second, of course, is information, education, uh, so that communities know that the vaccine is available. And we have to overcome uh, decades of uh, racism in, in in the provision of medical care in this country. It's real. And I, you can't ignore the fact that there are many uh, people of color, uh, particularly African-Americans, who have examples of having been uh, basically exploited uh, because of uh, a racist decision made with medical care. It's a challenge, but it's one we must overcome. And I'm just happy to see that the Biden administration is taking a different tact in this in this regard. Yeah, it's it's uh, Bill. This is what, what what strikes me is this is a kind of a prime example of of a shift occurring from from uh, passive vaccine distribution to active vac vaccine distribution. Uh, you know, I, I, I you've you, you've had your two shots. I've had my my first shot. I, I'm scheduled for another one on on March first. The only reason I got that first shot was because. I have a wife who still kind of likes me, 
and 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 on when and and when the appointments opened in Cobb County at 5 p.m. She over over two weekends she got on her laptop and she hit refresh 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 until she came across an appointment for me. Now, that's 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 not a that's not a that's that's not a distribution system that can be matched uh, everywhere in in Georgia. I, I'm you 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 just you it, it can't be done. Uh, Sam Olin's uh, Galloway makes a really good point. Uh, people have been frantically. Uh, trying to figure out how to get an appointment for a vaccine. And when it comes to the disparity and inequity in vaccine distribution, right now, uh, it's almost essential that you have a computer and high-speed internet to be able to get uh, an appointment for a vaccine. And that's not a strategy. That's uh, potluck. Well, so some places always had a phone number, too, but but I certainly agree with you. I think one of the things that frankly startled me, going back to Mike's comment, was the discussion earlier um, involving the lack of uh, locations in South Fulton. So here you have a, a county that had the majority of the locations being central and north, but you had a huge demand on the south side, and clearly you've got some South Fulton mayors that are just furious that services haven't been uh, allegedly sufficiently offered to their residents. And, Bill, uh, if um, I can say, just following up on a part of it, though, is the actual availability of the vaccine is one thing, you know, setting up those vaccination sites. I know Dr. Ford here in DeKalb. I think he's done a great job, but when the cab gets 200 vaccines for the week, I mean, what, what, when you got 10 or 15,000 people in the queue, uh, it's just almost an impossible situation. Bill, you said something. These systems were not designed to address a pandemic. The, the, the cab Department of Public Health or the State Department, and they haven't been able to yet uh, scale up their resources to serve at this point, 100% of the population, when they were actually designed to serve at best on a face-to-face -face proposition, maybe 5% of the population. That's what the politicians in Washington missed. These systems just were not designed to operate in this environment. All right. We do expect, I think, um, quantities of vaccine to be distributed uh, starting at, quite soon in much in much larger numbers uh, and and so we're going to watch very carefully to see how much easier it is to find a way to get vaccinated but the systems are still a big big question the systems for making sure you have access to an appointment to get one let's do this let's get our first break of the show out of the way and come back some interesting developments in terms of legislation down at the state capitol that I want to talk about. And then we'll talk about what happened on the first day of the uh, Trump impeachment trial. You're listening to Political Rewind. Jim Galloway, Sam Olins, Michael Thurman join us today on Political Rewind. Jim Galloway, um, yesterday... Uh, a group of uh, Republican state uh, leaders released a long list of recommendations uh, about voting, limiting voting in the state. Uh, it's like a 10-page report 
They called the group that put together the report an election confidence task force, uh, and it has some pretty stark recommendations, some of which are already mirrored by, by bills that have been introduced uh, to uh, change how we vote by mail particularly. But it's, it, it, there are several ways to approach this. One is to look at just some of what the Republicans are suggesting happen. So just a couple of the examples are they want to take control of elections away from Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. They're still furious with him for not supporting President Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the Georgia election. They want to end automatic voter registration which, uh, interestingly enough, happened, I think, under Brian Kempis. He expanded it as Secretary of State. And they want to get rid of the Dominion voting software, despite the fact that just a year ago they uh, voted for that whole system, $107 million system, apparently because of these uh, fake concerns that Dominion was rigging the outcome of the vote. So these are just a few of a number of uh, matters that they brought up, and you're welcome to add them uh, more. But what is this all about, Jim? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, d- they also want to end no excuse absentee voting, restricted yeah. to people who are out, who are out. Uh, they want to put. They, they even want to put uh, more restrictions on on uh, overseas military ballots being cast. And and as uh, as as Sam Sam Mullins pointed out before the uh, before we were on air, it, they would specifically uh, bar. Uh, the the United Nations, the ACLU, and the Carter Center from uh, from acting as as poll watchers during Georgia elections, uh, uh, and and I guess we need to uh, emphasize that the Carter Center is Atlanta based. They have a long uh, long uh, uh, reputation for for looking into into uh, democratic systems. What this I, th- I think what you have here, Bill, and this is. This is this is the theme that that has that that we've seen uh, in the legislature and in Georgia politics since the early two thousands. There is a there is a a portion of the Republican Party that 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 thinks that voting is so important that you ought to, that that there you ought to be have the energy to to. Uh, to circumvent a number of obstacles and meet a number of requirements, uh, in addition to, to voting age and such, in order to cast that ballot, that it's it's uh, and I've mentioned this on the show before. There was a lawsuit in uh, uh, in uh, uh, that uh, the Georgia GOP uh, uh, participated in uh, uh, late last year uh, with the Trump campaign, and there was a key law a key line in this lawsuit that said citizens are entitled and deserve to vote in a transparent system that is designed to protect against voter dilution not voter fraud voter dilution and 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 that has always been the key worry for republican voters a, a certain segment explain of explain voters. what expl- Explain what voter dilution means. Tell tell our listeners what that means. All right, uh, voter vote, voter dilutions. You it, it, uh, you know the GOP makes the, the uh, you have Republicans who make the case that if you if you invite fraud, well, you're diluting uh, the the votes of others. But voting dilution also occurs when more people register to vote. 
Uh, uh, we we had I think uh, somewhere in a million more voters uh, registered to vote in this in the 2020 election than we did in the 2018 election. That means individually my vote counted for less. Uh, but that's kind of what democracy is all about. Uh, and and so and, and so it's it's. It's interesting that that some of the 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 more significant pushback we're seeing in the state capitol to this this uh, uh, this uh, Republican state Republican uh, paper is coming from Republicans themselves. It's they they understand yeah. it's a bad look. Sam Olins, I have said for weeks now that uh, being a Republican coming on the show can be tricky business, uh, but you've been pretty outspoken in terms of your feelings about some of the efforts to uh, uh, cast doubts on how the election unfolded here in Georgia. And these recommendations that came from this state task force, the Republican task force, are showing us once more that there is a real split in uh, the Republican Party in the state, right? Yeah, the problem is the percentage that agrees with me is the minority percentage. So when I look at this 10-page document, there's probably about two recommendations that I think are a good idea. Uh, There's a bunch of this document that uh, Mike Thurman and I would have the same exact statement. Um, This is Jim Crow. I mean, there's a bunch of this document that is 2021 Jim Crow. And when I hear a member of a county elections board or other Republicans talk about we have to stop them from voting— Yeah, we all know what the them is. And, you know, frankly, I happen to think that Republican ideals, Republican principles, you know, free market, limited government, low taxes are winning ideas and that should win elections. So I get really bothered when Republicans are more concerned about them voting than making the case that they have the better ideas. So, you know, you you could put Mike and me in the same room and we'd both make the same darn statements. Um, one of the people who was part of this Republican task force is the elections chief out in Gwinnett County who got herself into some trouble uh, and uh, Democrats called for her resignation, which she rejected, by the way, uh, when she said, we've got to pass laws that give us a better chance to win elections. Um, Michael, there's no question that Democrats... Some Republicans, like the lieutenant governor, Jeff Duncan, are pushing back on this. Um, But Democrats are fighting ferociously to stop the legislature from passing um, many of these so-called reforms. Uh, Bill, the people on this call have known me for years. And one of the words that I don't use lightly and I rarely ever use in public, but I'm going to use it now. Um, This report is repugnant, it's undemocratic, and it's just flat out racist. That's what this is. It's racism uh, at, you know, at its worst. And what it reminds me of is the uh, the 1906, the only thing missing is the constitutional amendment that was passed in 1906 that barred African-Americans from voting in the state of Georgia. As I looked through it, I was looking for that amendment to be 
uh, exercise and bought back from the grave, they may have well put it in there. And this whole thing that Jim Galloway talked about and, and what Sam talked about, that um, the dilution, uh, what I see is people of color diluting the white vote in Georgia. That's what they're really saying. And that's, that's not the legal term dilution, but it's the dilution that they see in terms of people who are different gaining access to voter registration opportunities, registering and voting. And how can any right-minded person feel this way in, in an American democracy? That's what this nation was built upon. That's what people have died and fought for all over the face of this planet. And for this to be bought for, and the silence, and I give Jeff Duncan credit. I don't know Jeff. I don't think he and I have ever had a conversation. But at least he had the courage to stand up and push back on a few others. Was, was, and something Martin Luther King said, it's the silence of the good people that do all the damage. It's not what the, the neo-Nazis say or the racists say, but it's when good people fall silent. So if they are, and I know they are good people in the Republican Party, by being silent, you're doing a lot more damage than people who have uh, a nefarious motives and are acting out on this, on this accord. Um, l- let me, we should, first of all, both you and Sam Olins just expressed, I can't imagine, stronger language to uh, a, a comment about what these potential uh, uh, laws, these bills would do. But, um, Sam, let's point out that, that the Speaker of the House, David Ralston, that Jeff Duncan, the lieutenant governor, and for that matter, the governor, uh, seem, they, they have uh, rejected some of the more draconian aspects of the measures that Republicans want to introduce, right, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, once again, the issue is the um, disparity between the majority of statewide elected leadership to include the Speaker as he represents the state by being Speaker of the House and the state Republican Party. I mean, clearly there is a huge divide, and I think many of the activists in the state party are looking to throw those individuals out of office come next year in the Republican primary. And, you know, if there's a a lesson in life for how to be um, irrelevant, it would be to throw those folks out of office. Um, I think at numerous times, our lieutenant governor has shown tremendous courage in entering a fray he wasn't in. Uh, he uh, promptly supported the actions of the governor and the secretary of state in following Georgia law. And I find it very troubling how quick everyone is to follow conspiracy theories. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the quote of the woman from Gwinnett County um, it's reprehensible. There's just nothing more you can say about it. You know, um, it, 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 Jim, I thought, you know, everything that Sam and uh, Michael just said speaks for itself in terms of their feeling that this is an effort to uh, particularly bar uh, minority voters from having better access to the polls. But, but I thought one of the biggest tells in this in terms of the conspiratorial theories that floated around this election, was the recommendation that the state ought to get rid of the Dominion software that was used uh, in, in, in the new machines that we have. Because as we all know, uh, 
Tr- Trump and his supporters um, all said that that Dominion was and uh, was rigged so that votes that were cast for Donald Trump instead went to Joe Biden. Uh, there, of course, was no evidence of this whatsoever, and yet we now have recommendations from a group of. Highly placed Republicans saying we better get rid of Dominion. You never know what they're trying to pull. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's strange because Georgia has had uh, a, a, a uniform automated voting system since uh, the 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 2002 election. Uh, the, 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 uh, we had a first generation system that was just replaced uh, last year, and and what's what's interesting is you've had. Uh, you've had both the the, the ob- objections on the far left and on the far right uh, to the voting machines, and they've and they've they've both peddled into in these uh, in these in these uh, kind of uh, conspiracies that the the voting system can be rigged. But it's 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 just because of the the impetus that that, that President Donald Trump put on it last year, that it's really taken off on the far right. And what I find interesting now is is that. You know, is is that Republicans are having now to respond to their own echo chamber? Uh, you had you had the president and and many of people in his campaign, many of his supporters, uh, raise questions about the voting system, and 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 the voting structure in Georgia. And now you know they, they uh, uh, we have to we have to address uh, the voting system and the structure because they've raised these questions. You know, it's, there's a there was a line in 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 in, a, in an AJC story on on, on this uh, that uh, the story which was written I think by Bluestein, Greg Bluestein, and the and the and the kicker, the last line comes from the the, the, the from Speaker Ralston. He says, "Sometimes you simply have to deal with perception," and I think that's the box that Republicans are in now. They have to do something to address concerns, but they can't do. But they don't want to do so much that it's going to it's it's going to backfire them in 2022 or 2024. You know, if I, if All right. I well, this is a. Sto- I'm sorry. Go ahead, I was Sam. just going to jump in. I apologize. You know, 150,000 less folks in the ninth and 14th districts voted in the January runoff, which exceeds the number of votes the two new senators won by. If the state Republican Party woke up one morning and decided that they were all about getting out the vote, as the Democratic Party has very actively been involved in, these types of ridiculous reports would be unnecessary. All right, Sam Olin, you get the final word in this segment of the show. Let's get our final break out of the way, and we'll be back in a moment. Jim Galloway, Sam Olins, Michael Thurman join us today. Uh, Jim, uh, we have an, an unusual circumstances that's unfolding. Uh, circumstance that's unfolding around uh, the Rayshard Brooks, the the uh, uh, effort to uh, f- hold a trial uh, to uh, uh, look at whether Garrett Rolfe, the police officer who shot Rayshard Brooks and killed him. Uh, was guilty of uh, of a crime. Uh, Fawny Willis, the new DA in Fulton County, the other day said, I think that Paul Howard, her predecessor, uh, took some actions in this case, moved precipitously, made public statements, uh, went after uh, subpoenas that were 
not uh, correctly uh, uh, filed, all of which leads me to believe that, that the Attorney General, Chris Carr, ought to take this case and assign it to a new DA. Chris Carr's office said, nope, it goes right back to Fonnie Willis. Uh, it's a very unusual circumstance. We're not used to seeing a, an attorney general, we'll ask Sam Olins in a minute about it, but what's going on here? Yeah, it's 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 very interesting, and and you have to go back to the uh, to the twenty twenty Democratic primary, where where Fonnie Willis uh, faced down Paul Paul Howard, the incumbent, and Howard uh, uh, made a very quick arrest in the Rayshard Brooks case. Uh, uh, he made some statements uh, about uh, tasers, if you you'll recall that uh, that they that they that they didn't constitute a a. Uh, 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 a lethal they, they, they weren't lethal weapons when in another case uh, 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 he, he said the exact opposite what what I find interesting is that this this is kind of the antithesis of what we saw in the Ahmaud Arbery case of of, of last year where where a, where a young black man caught jogging in a in a in a in a coastal Georgia community was chased down and shot and killed and you had uh, you had uh, district attorney after district attorney recuse himself and herself, uh, and it was passed along very quickly to the point where nothing was happening in the case. Uh, in this one, this is this is different. Uh, uh, Fonnie Willis said that the actions of Howard had placed in jeopardy uh, her 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 own uh, her her uh, her in, her independence. That that she and her staff might be called upon to become witnesses in this case. She passed it on to the age Chris Chris Carr. Uh, the the state attorney general, and surprisingly, Carr said, "No, you can't. You he, he he's not going to. He wouldn't recognize uh, uh, Willis's uh, attempt to to exempt herself from this case, and gave it right back to her." Sam, I, I know as the former attorney general, you're probably a little bit reluctant to uh, comment too much on. A person who was your successor in that office, but are, are you surprised that the AG uh, isn't open to giving that case to another district attorney where there might not be questions about how Paul Howard tainted the case? You know, I think in the long run, it's it's not going to make a difference because the uh, lawyers in the case have requested that uh, the Fulton DA disqualify herself. And clearly, the Fulton DA is not going to vociferously fight that motion. So I think at the end of the day, the case is coming right back to Chris Carr uh, by judicial order. Uh, the decision was different, uh, but candidly, the fact pattern is very different, too, uh, involving Paul Howard. Um, so I think that, um, you know, strange fact patterns lead to, to strange results. But I think it's clear that, that uh, D.A. Willis is not going to fight that motion to disqualify her office. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you assume that's correct, it's going to go right back to General Carr, who will then uh, decide whether his office or another uh, D.A.'s office will handle that prosecution. Um, Mike, just a quick comment, if I could get it from you on this. Um, I, I suppose what hangs in the balance here is a large number of people in, in, in the community who want to see justice done in terms of the killing of Rayshard Brooks, one way or the other, uh, want to see a trial that establishes uh, the innocence or guilt of uh, the officer who shot and killed him. 
Uh, correct, and uh, the former AG is actually is obviously correct that it's coming back. But let me tell you what the AG Carr did do. Uh, Mr. Brooks's widow did not want the case transferred out of Fulton to begin with, and whether it returns to him or not, I think it was smart of him to really hear not just Ms. Brooks, but also advocates in the community who opposed it from the very beginning. And uh, that will pay well, I think, in that community and with Mr. Brooks's family. Jim? If, if, yeah, if, uh, if I could pose a, pose a question to, to, to Sam, because he's the only uh, law school graduate here uh, No, 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 right Mike now. Thurman's a lawyer. Oh. No, oh, I'm Thurman's sorry. a lawyer. My apologies. I, I, my apologies. No, okay, criminal. A has-been, a has-been. Obviously, that doesn't count, right? <laughs> all right, okay, all right, all right. I apologize, I apologize. Okay, but uh, 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 Sam, if a if if this does end up in the hands of another district attorney, does the trial occur in the district attorney's uh, jurisdiction, or or does the district attorney come back into Fulton County? Because I think that's an important point, uh, <laughs> considering what what, uh, what 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 Michael was saying about uh, the, the 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 family of Richard Brooks concerned. Now the, the the case is tried in Fulton County. The only way it wouldn't be tried in Fulton County is if defense counsel claimed that it was impossible for them to get a fair trial in Fulton County, and I think they, uh, that that is highly unlikely for a judge to agree with that position. So I would expect the trial would occur in Fulton County Superior Court. Okay. Um, thank you all for uh, commenting on that. Uh, we're running fairly short of time, but I want to talk just for a couple minutes about the impeachment uh, trial, if, if I can, because, it's, and I'm doing that especially because Georgia is going to be playing a role in this in the next couple of days as the impeachment managers make their case. I, I'd love to listen to, I, I think, what most people agreed was one of was going to end up being one of the most memorable moments from yesterday. And that was when Jamie Raskin, who's leading the House impeachment uh, trial managers, uh, talked about his own family. Uh, just days before the insurrection, uh, Raskin's son tragically committed suicide. Um, Raskin felt he had to continue with his work in terms of the impeachment and so went right back to the Capitol. And on the day of the insurrection, his daughter, his grown daughter and son-in-law were actually in the Capitol when the uh, rioters uh, breached the house. They were in an office trying to shelter and Raskin couldn't get to them. Let's listen to what he says and pick it up. Uh, as he learns that his daughter and son-in-law are safe. And when they were finally rescued over an hour later by Capitol officers and we were together, I hugged them and I apologized and I told my daughter, Tabitha. I told her how sorry I was and I promised her that it would not be like this again the next time she came back to the Capitol with me. And you know what she said? She said, Dad, I don't want to come back to the Capitol. <laughs> People died that day. Officers ended up with head damage and brain damage. People's eyes were gouged. An officer had a heart attack. An officer lost three fingers that day. Two officers have taken their own lives. Senators, this cannot be our future. This cannot be the future of America. We cannot have presidents inciting and mobilizing mob violence against our government 
in our institutions because they refuse to accept the will of the people under the Constitution of the United States. So uh, that was Jamie Raskin um, making a very personal statement. Let's listen to David Schoen, who is the Atlanta-based lawyer who is defending President Trump. This is a process fueled irresponsibly by base hatred by these House managers and those who gave them their charge, and they are willing to sacrifice our national character to advance their hatred and their fear that one day they might not be the party in power. So, um, Sam and Jim, we're running out of time, but, but, but Sam, uh, the, um, what, what do you make of what you heard yesterday? And given that we already know that Republicans are not going to vote to convict President Trump, what is the meaning of this trial from your point of view? Well, I think the president deserves to be convicted, uh, but I agree that it's highly, highly unlikely. Uh, I thought both of the Republican House uh, members uh, spoke eloquently and did a very good job. Um, I thought it was interesting for Schoen to um, uh, question why the uh, House managers would refer to English law when we uh, escaped the English government. I thought that was an unbelievable uh, statement. Uh, if you're looking to determine whether or not you can convict a president of impeachment when he's no longer in office, why wouldn't you look at old English law and the uh, law of the original colonies? Um, so clearly, I thought the better legal argument was presented by the uh, Democrats yesterday. I, I think most people uh, in the Senate, Republican and Democrat alike, would agree with that. Jim, we're close to out of time, but we do expect in the day ahead, the trial starts again at noon today. NPR will cover it. Uh, we do expect Georgia's going to play a significant role. The Brad Raffensberger phone conversation with Donald Trump will no doubt be brought up. Right, right. And and, 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 and because we're sh so short on, on time, I'll make this brief point. Uh, Georgia will have has, – has, has had a just – tremendous influence on this trial. Just remember that if if uh, if John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock had not been elected on January 5th, this trial would resemble very much the same trial that the, the first impeachment trial. No witnesses, no, no ancillary information coming in. Jim Galloway, Sam Olins, Michael Thurman, we're out of time uh, for today. Thank you all so much for a, a terrific conversation. I appreciate your being here. Um, we're back, of course, tomorrow with another show. As I said, if you're following the impeachment trial closely, uh, we'll have it on uh, the radio starting at noon today. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to say goodbye to you back tomorrow. I'm Bill Nygut. Take care. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. See you all tomorrow.